feeling like you're juggling endless tasks from content to proposals and everything in between? And if just thinking about adding content marketing to your list overwhelms you even more, I've got something for you. Introducing the Ultimate AEC Content Marketing Starter Kit, your jumpstart to content marketing success. It's all about the four crucial decisions to clarify your plan and kickstart your content creation journey. I've walked your path since 2005, managing marketing and proposal deadlines. That's why I've crafted this kit to make your journey just a bit smoother. Let's face it, just getting started is often the hardest part, especially with new strategies. The Ultimate AEC Content Marketing Starter Kit leads you through those vital early steps. It's about getting growth clarity, understanding your dream audience, and turning your existing content into pure gold. Are you ready to jumpstart your content marketing game? Visit marketerstakeflight.com forward slash starter kit and snag your ultimate AEC content marketing starter kit. Let's conquer the content world one campaign at a time. Grab your starter kit now over at marketerstakeflight.com forward slash starter kit. Hey there, welcome to the Marketers Take Flight podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Diven, founder of Marketers Take Flight and the creator of the Proposal Pro course. I am obsessed with helping AEC marketers just like you put order back into the proposal process, create winning strategies, and build the confidence and courage to advance your career. Each week, I will be sharing tangible and tactical advice and inspiring interviews to fly through the proposal turbulence and have your career take off. So let's dive right in. Well, hey there, marketers. Lindsay Divin here, the host of the Marketers Take Flight podcast, and welcome to another episode. Today, we are talking about making that transition from an individual contributor, somebody who is managing proposals or managing marketing strategies, and making that transition to a people manager, from going from an individual contributor to a people manager. And I have this very special guest on today. Her name is Nicole Robinson, and she is one quarter or one fourth of the hosting team from the No Really Everything's Fine podcast. She also is serving as a sales operations manager of the bid department for a very large global organization. And so she was promoted to this management position for managing this team of proposal managers or bid managers for this global organization earlier this year. And so I went on their podcast and her and I were talking a little bit about that. And I thought it would make for very great episode to talk about that transition from individual contributor to people manager. Because if you're anything like my experience, I was, you know, just a single marketing coordinator and then we hired a marketing assistant. And then all of a sudden I'm responsible for that person. And I had no training. I had, you know, maybe some leadership training or some other types of training, but not how to manage people and how to hire people. And so Nicole and I have this really great discussion today about some of the first steps she took in terms of how to go about finding the right people for her team, some of the benchmarks and KPIs she uses to help not only onboard and train the team, but to kind of judge how they're doing 
and how they can, you know, improve. We go into our rapid fire questions, but you're going to want to stay till the end because she introduces something brand new just for proposal managers. And so this is a little bit longer of an episode, but definitely stay till the end because you're going to love what she introduces. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Nicole Robinson. Okay. Well, welcome to the show, Nicole. Thanks for being here on the Marketer's Take Flight show today. Thank you so much for having me, Lindsay. It's such an honor. Yeah. So like I said in the intro, you and I met because I was a guest on your show. No, really, everything's fine, which I recommend everybody go out and subscribe to it. because It's such a great show. But before we get into today's topic, why don't you tell the Marketer's Take Flight audience a little bit about who you are, your career path, and what you're doing today. Absolutely. So I started in proposals completely by accident. I just tripped and fell in. <laughs> and I think most of us <laughs> have that story or have that experience. But we want to get to the point where we start hearing people say, no, I totally chose to do this. I was interested. I had I'd heard or I saw and I wanted to. But for the large majority of us, we trip and fall in. And that's the right. same story that I have as well. And for me, when I started my career, I was running the gamut. So I learned how to do everything from the proposal piece and working with a sales rep to influence the RFP process with the existing customer or new Mm -hmm. customer, whoever it happened to be, right through to award where I would then become the subject matter expert for the particular project. I would hire the crew. I would invoice them. I would update them. I would be the single point of contact for the crew as well as for the customer while the project was being run. And then I would shut the project down at the end. So that's how I started my career. So it was literally all aspects of the full sales cycle through to delivery. Yeah, the Um, entire life cycle. The entire life cycle. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. From the the buyer's journey and the seller's journey. Wow. Which was exactly the way you should. Like, if I could recommend that you start your career that way, I would do it. And then you you can easily segment. And then that's essentially what ended up happening for me. Because it provided me with a business acumen and a level of understanding of how the buyer and seller journey works Mm -hmm. that was literally invaluable. Invaluable. There's no book that could teach you what I was taught in that first job when I started. So that was about 15 years ago. I jumped between 15 and 17. And honestly, I just don't remember which. (laughs) But (laughs) at the low low end, it's 15. At the high, it's 17. Right, right. And then from there, I was just able to kind of like funnel in and hone in on the proposal management piece of the journey, along with some of like coordination activities. So in every role I've had, I've always supported a sales team. I started out with one and now I'm global. So it's like a woohoo, big difference. (laughs) (laughs) But always supported a sales team. Culture is really important to me. So I love to influence company culture and um, ensure that my teammates are having fun while doing their jobs. That's always been important Mm -hmm. to me. So I always fold it into how I do what I do every day. Mm -hmm. And that's largely because of relationship. So relationship is the number one thing for me. It was one of my three goals that I had set when I started with my current organization was building relationships. So I tie relationship and culture together. If I can influence culture, people will get to know me on a level that's not just what she does every day. It's not just me reaching out and asking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it kind of it suits my personality as well. I have a honors degree in business with a focus in marketing. I also have a diploma in marketing as well. So that influenced everything, actually. 
how I go to market, how I communicate with my customer, it influenced everything and really lend, lent itself very well to being a proposal manager. And now I am currently a sales operations manager specifically for bid management and my team. So I literally went from being an individual contributor to a people manager this year. And we are doing so well. Like I'm very, very proud of my team. So my team supports the global sales organization, specifically the bid management process. Yes. Yes. Congratulations on that. And that's what we were talking a little bit when I was on your podcast, Yeah, a little bit about this transition that you've made this year. And I thought that was really key. And that's why I wanted to bring you on the show because I train a lot of proposal coordinators, marketing coordinators that are new to the industry or new to proposals. And with the goal is eventually they're going to move up. Right. They're either going to move on to bigger pursuits and leading bigger pursuits, or they're going to go the people manager route or a combination of both. And so nobody really teaches you how to become a manager. (laughs) Right. Usually what happens, I know for a lot of my audience is they're smaller firms. You live, you work, live, you work in a big organization. (laughs) Fairly big. It's getting to big. Yeah. (laughs) You would consider it medium. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And a lot of my listeners are either employees in a big organization, a mid-sized organization, or very small, like less than a hundred people, maybe 50 people. They're the only marketer. And that the way that they are going to become a manager is they're going to hire their marketing assistant or their marketing coordinator or their proposal coordinator. And then they're going to get bumped up to people manager. Right. But when that happens, because that's exactly what happened to me. I was a marketing coordinator and then I got promoted to senior marketing coordinator and I was able to hire a marketing assistant. Mm -hmm. Nobody taught me any type of people management skills. Now, again, that was like 17 years ago too. So there might Mm -hmm. be some programs, but I wanted to bring you on to talk so you can share some of your experience through this and give my listeners some ideas of what you've gone through because you've done some really great stuff. Thanks. So this is not my first time managing people. So mm-hmm. that was, I think, the easiest part of it. And then I had a real sense of how I like to be managed. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted to take that philosophy of how I enjoy management and reapply it. Mm-hmm. I also wanted to maintain my team's culture I had been very blessed, like in terms of the organization I work for and my team within it, blessed. I've been with one team the entire time for five years. It was just three of us primarily. Okay. My current director, another sales operations manager who recently left the organization about a year ago and myself. And we were just close knit, supportive. We enjoyed each other and all with incredible work ethics. Mm -hmm. We understood each other's needs as they arose and we would do whatever it took to help the other out. I wanted to maintain that. So bringing people in, I was really concerned about fit. Yeah. I thought to myself, okay, I can teach anyone how to do this. As long as they're interested and willing to learn, I can teach this. Mm -hmm. But what I cannot teach is a fit. Like I can't make a square peg fit into a round hole. Like it's just, that won't work. And not disrupting the culture that we had created for our team was going to be a really big thing for me. So that was one of the things I looked at. I thought about it first. I also was thinking, and I used to say this 
often, but I will say I have changed my philosophy. My initial thought was, I'd like to duplicate myself. I feel Mm -hmm. like in order for the organization to be able to scale and do the things that I know we can do, I need to duplicate myself. And I've since changed that philosophy because I thought that's not a way for anyone to be specifically successful. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm going to bring in somebody and they fit culturally, they're willing to learn, they don't have to be like me. I just wanted to pop in here to personally invite you to download my latest free resource, the Ultimate AEC Content Marketing Starter Kit. If you struggle to get started with your content marketing from not knowing how to start, from having time to create content, this starter kit is your secret sauce. In just four key decisions, this kit sets you up for marketing success, even if you're swamped with deadlines. Ready to dive in? Visit marketerstakeflight.com forward slash starter kit and grab yours today. Right. Yeah, that's so true. I think I went through that too. Yeah. Remembering that back. Yeah. You just jogged that memory for me. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Because it's like you have this moment where you're like, I'm good at this. I probably need someone who's like me to be good at this too. And that's not true. So for all of you people who are listening, who are going from ICs to people managers, they don't have to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> I would say the one of the things that I really adopted, and I have to thank KB, who Catherine Bennett, who's one quarter of our hosting family for No Really Everything's Fine. She presented an idea because they're my sounding board. When things come up every day at work, I go to them and say, what do you guys think? This is kind of how I positioned it. Would you do it that way? It's a great thing for me. It's one of the biggest blessings that has come out of the pandemic, actually, is this group of people who have become friends and not just my co-hosts and a part of my network. So she presented an idea to me and it was that, you know, you create space for all kinds of people to be successful. And I don't even know she said it to me, but it was something (laughs) I received from her. And I was like, that's really good. And so that married with the idea like of not needing to recreate myself, but to, in fact, create a good space for people who fit, but are not like me necessarily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that was kind of the second aspect of it. The third thing that came up was what the hell makes me good at this job? And what makes a good proposal manager a good proposal manager? Mm -hmm. And yes, to a certain extent, I could use myself as a barometer. But at the same time, there are things about me that made me uniquely well-suited for the role. What if someone else doesn't have those experiences that could make them uniquely suited for the role? So then I thought, okay, well, there has to be some things that are universal, like universally across the board. If you have these characteristics or you think in this way, then you'll be good at it. Mm -hmm. And I never at any point in time in all the years that I had been doing it, even considered it until I had to hire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You do a lot of like reflecting, a lot of like, yes, yes, reflecting of like, what do I, okay, so what do I do when I, managing a proposal what right. you know what how am i thinking and like you said how am i thinking how am i approaching this yep 
Yep. And it literally was like, it changed a lot for me. Like I would spend just at least a couple of hours a day in the first quarter of this year, just thinking. Yeah. <laughs> I've said this multiple times and people are like, what? Yeah, no. <laughs> and I'm like, but I would highly encourage you to do this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's a bigger change, a change that doesn't get talked about enough from yeah. growing from individual contributor to a manager, a people manager, is you do a lot more thinking and you have yep. to make that space because you're coming up with the strategy or the next move or, you know, whatever that is. Like you've got to have time and space to think about that. And yeah. And noodle on it. <laughs> as exactly. I like to say. <laughs> exactly. And not writing anything down. You're just living very intentionally in your head. Yeah. And I find for me when I'm trying not trying to solve a problem either, all I'm doing is ruminating. Mm-hmm. Like all I'm doing is thinking. All I'm doing is pondering. I'm asking myself questions, but I'm absolutely not problem solving. Let me make that clear. Because then that's a whole other thought process. Mm-hmm. And that's actually how. I started to frame who I was looking for and what would happen once I had them on the team. Mm-hmm. It really kind of set me up for the problem solving piece. It really yeah. kind of set me up for, you know, the kinds of conversations that I would have with my team, um, how I would engage them. Yeah. So those three things, so, you know, really being intentional about the type of person and what are the, the non-negotiables of a proposal manager, what makes them good. Mm-hmm looking at an understanding that I needed to create space for any type of person, not necessarily someone who was like me, to be successful on the team. And then also just realizing that I wanted to maintain culture and make sure that I chose the appropriate person who was a good fit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those are the three things that kind of framed how I went ahead. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so... Thank you for walking us through that because I think, again, this doesn't get talked about enough. And, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody, you know, there's listeners out there that I know we're going into performance review season and goals and some people might be up for promotion. And so this is good knowledge to have if you, you know, get that authorization to hire somebody and now all of a sudden you're managing somebody or you're getting promoted to now oversee a new team And it's whether your team or another team or you're changing jobs and you're managing a new team. These are Mm -hmm. all what you just walked through fits, I think, for all those scenarios. So you got this position, this new position earlier this year. What were some of the first steps that you did to set up the team in terms of the benchmarks and the KPIs for the sales team? So a couple of things. I thought about what's important to the organization. So I looked at it from an organizational level. Mm-hmm. so that I could drive data in that direction. As we all know, it's the numbers that change the game. When you can actually show impact through numbers and through your team's effect on the overall goals of the organization, then you can really fight for your seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's the way you get your seat at the table. Yeah. So tie everything back to your organizational goals, first thing. So one of my things... And one of the matrices that we look at very closely is our ROI for shortlist. How much are we doing? How, what, what's the percentage? How are we getting there? Are we doing well? And then from there, once we're shortlisted, are we converting? 
mm-hmm. to close mm-hmm. that? Are we converting to an award or a landed deal? I looked at that first mm-hmm. um, and thought, okay, let me, those are be two things that I'm going to take because a lot of it we don't have control over. Right. We don't have control over how many deals come in yet. Anyway, <laughs> we don't have control over customer relationship. There's a lot we don't have control over. But we can ensure that when we receive a well-qualified bid with a great existing relationship or maybe not an existing relationship, but at least it's well-qualified, mm-hmm. I can make sure that we present a story to that customer that is going to make them want to know more. I have complete control over that. Mm-hmm. And so then I started to look and dig into the creation of the documents and the actual process itself. So I'll look at speed to first draft. I will look at comprehension. Actually, before I even look at speed to first draft, I look at comprehension. Does this proposal person consistently show that they understand two things, the needs of our existing business and what our existing business is, the needs of the customer, the customer's business and what their needs are? What are they asking for in the Mm -hmm. RFP? Mm -hmm. And so if they can consistently show that they have comprehension of those two things, then everything else actually is easier. Yeah. I will also look at how concise they are, just how well something is written. Mm. And so I will go in when I'm doing my reviews, I will say, all right, this is great. I had a whole philosophy around how to respond to customer questions, but I didn't have this writing to win language and that's what we call it. And I, I 100% borrowed that. Because I didn't know, I didn't have language to explain it. So, but I used to always say, we don't, we're not just telling a customer that we can do something. Obviously, we can do it or yeah. we're responding to the RFP. And so I would say that and I would say, then I would follow that up by saying, we have to tell them how, because that's all that matters to them. Yeah. How do they do it? And how does that benefit me? Mm-hmm. An RFP response is not about the proponent who is writing the response. It's not about you, which seems super counterintuitive, especially to people who are on the outside of this industry. It seems very counterintuitive because you're asking me questions about myself, but you're telling me it's not about me? Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. 100%. It's not about you. And if we understand the inception of the RFP, where it came about, how it came about, and why then that actually makes more sense. So as the world grew, buyers and sellers became less intimate with each other. They didn't know each other anymore. Before, it was the guy who sells buttons down the street on Main. Go, you know, go left, make two rights. Yeah, yeah. He's been doing it. His grandfather's been doing it. You know, we know, like, we need buttons. We go the gym, the button guy. But introduce the railroad and all of a sudden your world expands and now you can source from all over a specific region, but hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't know that guy. Mm-hmm. So send me some documentation that tells me a little bit about yourself. Once we understand that, then it's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not about me. Bingo. So I look at how concise they are in terms of their writing and I coach them. This is That's a coachable thing though. It's not necessarily something that I'm like, well, you can't write, so you got to right. go. Like, yeah, it, you can teach people not writing, that, right? Yeah. It, it's a reframing because we're so used to, when talking about ourselves, just talking about ourselves. We laud ourselves. We, we're the you know best in class, world this, this. Like all of these superlatives that really don't mean anything <laughs> to the buyer. 
So training a proposal manager to think in a way that allows them to tell a story, but not focus on themselves. So I look at that. I also look at detail. So a specific of that detail would be like, would be cross-contamination. Mm-hmm. When you're ensuring that you are, if you're going to use language because you thought it was really good content from a previous submission, I have no problem doing that. But make sure that when you're removing it from one place to another, that you've completely sanitized it mm-hmm. and you've made it specific to the customer that you're now speaking to. Make it hidden. Hide the boilerplate. That's yes. make the boilerplate disappear. That's what I used to say. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. Um, no one should feel like they're reading something. And I always, like when people say to me like, oh, you know, you're just going to use such and such and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that is not what we do here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Like, I know this is just marketing material. No, this is not marketing material. Marketing material does not sound anything like what I put into my documents. And I'll let them know, like mm-hmm. out the gate. <laughs> Don't even let the sentence fall to the ground before I correct them I love in that it. area. Because it's a common misconception that that's what's happening. And it's not at all what's happening. Right. What else do we look at? Being concise, cross-contamination, comprehension, execution. How well do they execute? How well do you execute? How well do you follow process? Do you understand the process? Mm. Can you modify the process when you see fit to modify it or or are you rigid? Mm. Because there is a level of flexibility that needs to happen within and of a process. Like I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to beat anyone over the head with a thing. When you're learning, you have to follow in order to gain expertise. Then you can do what you want, right? Right. To a certain extent within the guardrails that I've provided. Right. What else do I look at? Um, (laughs) Quite a few things, actually. Yeah, these are all really great. These are great. Thank you. Those were the things that I kind of was like, okay, like to where to start, right? But Like I said, I started with what are the goals of the organization and what does the organization deem as important? And then I rolled it back. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then so you use these same metrics or these same areas, I guess, that you observe to know if your team is doing well. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things for myself personally that I was looking at, I was like, okay, how quickly can I get them to individual work? Mm -hmm. Because oftentimes, and I know this happens, there is a trial by fire. Like, here's the thing, throw you into the furnace. I absolutely refused. I refused. I'm like, my management was like, Nicole, this is going to be a lot. I'm like, it'll be a lot for a little. So it'll be a lot for a little period of time. Mm. Just as long as I can get through that phase where, because I actually was also transitioning someone off my team while I was in the process of hiring and training two new people. Wow. So yeah, that is a lot. It is a lot. It it was a lot. <laughs> I just said to them, it's fine. It's not going to be that way forever. And as long as I know that I'm in a tunnel and I'm not in a wall, like I'm not literally in the wall <laughs> trying to get out. <laughs> I'm in a tunnel. There is another end. I just got to keep moving forward. And so they said, okay, as long as you understand, I'm like, no, nope, I got it. I totally get it. But there is no fire. They will not be subject to that type of treatment or environment on my team. Yeah. That kind of onboarding, onboarding by fire. Yeah. Right. Absolutely not. (laughs) So what that led to was I had to develop my own onboarding and I had to develop my own training program. And so I thought to myself, okay, I thought realistically it would be a three to four week process. And it was because around that point in time, 
to add 10 on 20, we were also just out of a merger mm. and hadn't even really fully announced it yet. Of course, there was industry buzz and chat, but we knew that coming into the second half of the, like into the second quarter, that things would ramp up because specifically there was no team like mine in the accompanying organization. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that when they found out about us en masse, because it, it kind of trickled down. There was like a couple of people here and there who were like, wait a minute, there's a big team. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, you got to meet Nicole. Da, 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 da. And I was just like, <laughs> guys, I really want to work with you. I really do. But there's a lot. There's a lot I need to on. sleep. Yeah, I need to right? sleep. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just said to myself, okay, I've got about four weeks before stuff's going to hit the van and we get inundated. And that's exactly what happened. I got them up to individual work at four weeks. And before their eighth week, both my new team members hit 100% shortlist. Wow. That's awesome. I, and I've never even done that. I've not hit 100% <laughs> shortlist. I literally was like, how in the hell? But yes, girl, you did that. Like I had to celebrate myself for a little bit while I was literally jumping up and down and hollering and screaming for them because I was just so proud of them and so excited and happy for them because I knew how much they wanted to succeed and they wanted to do well. So it was, it was really important for me to celebrate them. And I celebrate them every chance I get. I, nice. I constantly tell them how well they're doing. And I constantly tell them because I have said to them, and we say to everyone who's new joining our team, we are workaholics. We do not expect you to be a workaholic. We do not expect you to become a workaholic. We expect you to be you. We know that we have at times bad habits because we will start working on something on a Sunday or, or bleed into our Friday night or into our evenings. Mm -hmm. We do not expect that of you. So I made that very clear to my team that that is not at all what I expect. I let them know that they are task driven and not work day driven. Just be available, mm -hmm. you know, meet your commitments. If you have meetings and stuff, make sure that happens. But when you're doing your job, I, I don't care. And where I, I don't care either. Like, you know, that none of that is a concern to me. And then the third thing I would always say to them is progress over perfection. I'm not expecting you to be perfect at all, at all. Like what I want to see and what I'm measuring is your progress and how quickly you're taking things in and making it your own and going forward with it with confidence. And it's so funny because I was like, at one point I was like, I hired two perfectionists. How did this happen to me? <laughs> I was like, how did this happen? I think it comes a little bit. It's hard to find, I think, proposal managers that don't have a little bit of perfectionism in them. And yep. Yeah. Because I'm looking back, I'm thinking back about all of the proposal coordinators or proposal managers I've worked with and they all have a, they're, you know, tend to be a little bit more type A. Yep. Yep. And, and so I would actually talk to them in the beginning because they would get, find themselves frustrated over simple things. Mm -hmm. I would say, but why do you expect to know how to do this? Mm -hmm. Do you mm -hmm. have experience? No, sometimes through tears. No. And I'm like, okay, so because you don't, then I don't understand. You got to be kind. And that would be, a, be the other thing. Like on a lot of our one-on-ones, I would say, be kind, be kind to yourself. I really don't like the way that you're talking about you. I'm taking offense because I really like you. And I really don't appreciate how you're talking to you about you. 
<laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're sometimes our worst critics. And, yes. And we come down, and I know I'm guilty of this too. I come down harder on myself. Yep. Then I think other people see it and we're see. And, and my husband does this too. And I'll tell him, I'm like, you're doing great. Like, why yeah. are you like, you know, he'll wake up in the middle of the night. He won't be able to sleep. And I'm like, you're coming down way too hard on yourself. Yeah. 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 So I would always say, be kind. So, mm-hmm. and because fundamentally I have fun. When someone comes to me and says, Nicole, I've got this opportunity and they start talking to me about it. I get literally excited. Oh, nice. Yeah. Literally. I get yeah. ramped up. I'm ready to go. So because I have that, but I, again, it's not about being like me, but are you at least having fun? Yeah. Are you enjoying this experience? Because it can be highly enjoyable. Oh, winning is always getting shortlisted and winning. That Ooh, is baby. always enjoyable. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Yeah. It's such a good feeling. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good sometimes feeling. just the comp- like just the competition. Uh, it, I love competing. Yeah. Oh God. I, yeah. It's one of the it's one of the best things. Like, and let me know that it's like a big time competitor. I'm like, who's the incumbent? All right, I'm a, I'm about to snatch your business. Okay. <laughs> Say bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that we could talk all day, but I want to go ahead. I want to be mindful of your time before we close out today. I have some rapid fire questions. Are you ready for them? Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Question number one is, what is your number one piece of advice for people who are new to proposals or proposal management? Be intentional, build a network. I love it. Love it. Be intentional. Network. You've got to have a plan. You've got to have a plan for how how you yourself are going to go to market in your new company. Mm -hmm. And you need a network of proposal people in your life. Do not do this as a man on an island. Yeah. It, you're just going to make yourself, your, your life harder than it needs to be. You need someone, you need sounding boards. You need people who understand the language because I promise you the moment someone asks you what you do for a living and you try to explain, their eyes are going to glaze over <laughs> and they're, you're about to kill the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. Very few people know and understand what we do, but us. Yeah. So find yourself more people doing what you're doing. Yeah. And there's lots of ways to do that. There's lots of organizations between. Yep. SMPS and APMP, yeah, APMP and um and the Pi. new Pi. Yeah. Yep. And I'll link all those up to, in the show notes. So there's a lot, especially with online now. Yes. I mean, that's how we met. It was online. So exactly. That's great. That's how I met my entire co-host team. Yeah. Online. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. So rapid fire number two, mm-hmm. what has been your favorite or most memorable win? So at the end of my first year in the organization I'm with, we had an RFP come through a consultant that nobody wanted to bid on. And then finally, an executive said, all right, let's go ahead and do it. The documents came over. It was a zip file. There was 45 documents in the file. I was like, I have never seen anything like this before in my life. My manager was like, Nicole, there's 45 documents in the file. I've started going through them. I said, okay, we had to put together a plan of action. But every single time I started going through, there were two big pieces of the response that had to be delivered. One was a steady state doc and one was a transition doc. I was okay and felt comfortable with the transition because we had a director of of service delivery at the time who I trusted implicitly. and I knew she knew her stuff. And so when I got that to her from the very beginning, after I kicked it off and all of that, I was like, I'm going to obviously need your help, but I'm going to rely on you here too. And so she was amazing. 
And so I was comfortable there. But the steady state document had words, questions, language, requirements that I had never, ever heard of. And I didn't know what they wanted. And so that was, it created a very strong sense of like stress for me because it really meant that I was going to have to lean, um, reach out and lean out and learn new things Mm -hmm. at a time when I didn't have, I had a month to pull this all together and I didn't have buy-in. And so because I didn't have buy-in, it made all of my getting deliverables back way harder. And it came down to the wire. And when it came down to the wire, I walked into the SVP of sales and I said, this company, they know what they're doing. This RFP is so incredibly well-written. It doesn't actually even make sense to me. (laughs) That's how (laughs) well-written it is. And they deserve a response that would be, he's a car guy. That's equivalent to a Maybach. That's what they deserve. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay, but they said, what I have right now is a Honda Accord. (laughs) He literally looked, (laughs) he pulled his glasses off his face (laughs) and he looked at me like, what? And I said, if I can get this, 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 and this, I can get it up to a high-end Lexus. He sat back, he, he relaxed a little bit. He said, okay, okay, how much time do you need? I said, well, we've got three days left. He said, all right, you let me know if there's anyone not doing anything to call you, let me know. I said, okay, you already know I'm not going to escalate. I'm going to, you know, I don't like to escalate. He's like, Mm -hmm. I know, but we need to get this done. Now, at that point, three days out, I had finally acquired buy-in and I had acquired buy-in because one day late at night, I was at the office and I ran all of the numbers. Mm. And when I got the final number, I called my subject matter expert. He was, he's basically my solutions person for managed services. I called him. I said, have you, have you done this? He's like, no. I'm like, I just ran the numbers. He goes, okay. And, and I'm like, I, and I started, he's like, are you kidding? I'm like, I I couldn't get the words out. Cause I'm like, oh, I've no. never, <laughs> this is the biggest deal I've ever seen yeah. in, my, in my career. Like you better and, pay attention to this. <laughs> right. And so I've sent him the files. I send him the spreadsheet and all the calculations He's like, how many times did you run this? And I said, about three. And he's like, so you're sure? I go, I'm sure I'm sure. He's like, all right, okay. So three days out, finally get buy-in, have the conversation with my sales leader, say, all right, I can get it to Alexis. The day comes, submission is due. It's after hours. Everybody's kind of like feeling a little sucker, like, you know, punch drunk. And I walk back into his office. He says, what do you say? I said, Lexus. He's like, all right, cool. It'll get us to the next round. I said, it'll get us to the next round. Within a week, the consultant reached back out to us and said, you guys have made it to the next round. I could have cried. I could have oh, cried gosh, yeah. at this point because I had been through, through so much with this document. And I wasn't even telling anyone really how stressed I was <laughs> oh, no. at all. Yeah. Like I, I was not talking about it. And then they said, okay, so we're going to work together to draft these to get them to the point that they need to be. I said, all right. So my VP of biz devs, says to me, okay, Nicole, I'm just going to step out of the process. I'm going to have you step in and you're going to work directly with the consulting team. I said, all right, great. Who was representing the customer? So this was basically me in a customer client facing position. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And then he, he goes, what's your plan? I said, I'm going to start all over again. And he looked at me like, <laughs> what? I said, I'm starting from scratch. He's like, are you sure? I said, yeah, because now I know what they want. I said, initially, I wasn't sure. And that's what caused all of this angst for me. And I'm like, one day, I'm going to tell you exactly what was going on with me while I was writing this in draft one. But 
I'm going to start all over. He goes, mm. okay. And we ended up closing that deal. Largest MSS deal acquired through RFP at the time in the company's history. Wow. That's that awesome. led to us being invited to another, another, uh, I guess, competition through RFP. We won that. That became the second largest MSS deal in the company's history through RFP. And then those two led to us actually getting work, not through RFP, but just through the development process, me working through, working with the consultant. They had such a great experience. Someone at the, on that team had a friend at a company. That friend was looking for a proponent for someone to come in and help them with their MSS. And they had a conversation and he was like, who are you? Have you considered this company? And which is my company. And they said, no, never even heard of them. He's like, absolutely. You've got to talk to them. We went through a buying cycle with them through RFP process. And the, the documentation that came out of that process is some of the best stuff I've ever seen in my career. Wow. That's awesome. So it led to that business. So that's, yeah. that's literally my most memorable. It's the project I talk about all the time. It's the one I learned what I was really made of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's fantastic. Congratulations all around for that. Thank you. Okay. And I want to get to question number three. Yes. We were talking a little bit about this before we hit record. Mm -hmm. So if you've made it this far, you are definitely in for a treat. So what are you excited about now, Nicole? So since February of this year, I've been working on a project and it's a product and it's specifically for proposal managers. And what it is, is it's an organizer. So it's it's called the Proposal Manager's Planner. I literally just had an aha moment one day and I am a tactical organizer user. Every single day of my life, I use an organizer, a paper one. I write down, I have a whole gel pen set. It's an aesthetic, it's a thing. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm very big on organization. It's how I'm actually literally teaching a webinar today about organization. And so I am big on how I organize my day, blocking out my calendar, all of that stuff. And my organizer allows me to do all of those things. But it does not speak specifically to me as a proposal manager. And so I thought to myself, well, I know if I would like to have an organizer that uses my language, mm -hmm. that other people must want that too. And so I developed it with proposal managers in mind. My planner has all the normal things that you would find, your calendar views, high level for the month, but it also has an RFP tracker. And so you could literally for your month, each month, track out by date, your when your questions are due, when your submission is due, your intent to respond, product or service that's being sold or proposed, who your seller is, and you can put them all in one place. I also was mindful of the fact that I wanted to take care of not just the person, the proposal manager as in their role every day, but as a whole person, because we are whole people mm -hmm. and burnout is a really massive problem in our industry. And so not only do I have a place for you to track your day and organize your day, but I have a place for you to think about what you're eating. Are you getting enough water? Are you, what is your exercise? And it's called self-care and it's mirrored. So one page is self-care and you literally go in and you track your meals and you track how much water and what exercise are you getting in every single day? And then at the beginning of your week, I want people to be reflective and intentional. So I have a section where you're listing out your goals and what is keeping you motivated and what steps will you take in order to hit your goals? And then come back at the end of the week and take a look. What did you, what difficulties did you encounter this week? How did you overcome those challenges? I also have a place for all of your RFP metrics. 
capture everything. What did you win? What did you lose? How many did you shortlist? If you did lose, why did you lose? What are the, mm. like, what is, what is the feedback coming in from your sellers and your customers about the status of your bid? And then I have a section for checklists. So you can literally, depending on whatever it happens to be, because some people can get it all done in their head. They know exactly what they got to do. But this is for, these checklists are for the people who really want to write it down and check it off. But it's Mm -hmm. already done for you. And I've considered as much of as possible as the things that you would need to consider. So for example, on your submission checklist, you have, you can state who the customer is, when your RFP is due, who your seller is, and then all of the things that you might need to include in your submission, title page, table of contents, executive summary, response complete, references compiled, pricing completed, signatures added, that type of thing. So it's, it's available for pre-order now. If you reach out to me on LinkedIn or shoot me an email over at pmplanners at rfpqueen.ca. I'm a .ca because I'm a Canuck. (laughs) If you didn't know. (laughs) Then yeah, I can absolutely get you some information or you can actually send out an order. But by the time, I think by the time this airs, they'll fully be, uh, I think we'll be out of pre-order by that point and we'll be fully just able to purchase and yeah, so that's what I'm really excited about. I'm yeah. like, like excited to the point of nervous, like nausea. <laughs> no, I love it. When you were telling me about this, I was like, this is so awesome. I'm a I'm a paper planner person too. I mean, I use my Outlook and my calendar, Same. but like I track everything in my the listeners know my full focus planner, but it's mm-hmm. it's for all industries and it's for, you know, all types of entrepreneurs, corporate workers, you know, all right. that. I love that yours is specific. And I, I know when we were talking before we hit record, it's a way for you as the proposal manager to track your own metrics. Yes. Too. Yep. And so, and you can, and because it's paper or it's digital, like you own it. It's you not it. your firm CRM. It's not your firm's exactly. like proposal Excel document. And so when you are looking back, especially again, we're coming up with performance review time, like you can look at your own statistics and make that case to ask for that raise or ask for that promotion. That's usually the first, you know, piece of advice is saying, okay, well, what did you do? Like to deserve it. And we, we forget. And so now if you're using this planner to track it as you go, you can look back and do the calculations. So literally. It literally allows you as a proposal manager to tell your own story. Mm -hmm. It's the story of your career. And as you, you know, as you reorder, because they will be available for a year, you'll have a year's worth of data in it, um, whether you have the digital copy or the physical copy, but you can literally take it and you can tell your story as you see fit to tell it. But it's all data driven, but also keeps you organized, keeps yeah. you on top of your game. Because without being organized, it's impossible to do this job. You right. cannot be chaotic, not have a streamline, not have efficiencies and do this well. It's just not possible. Love it. So I'm going to put all the links to everything in the show notes. So Nicole's email, any links for the planner that she'll have available. Again, we're recording this a couple of weeks before it airs. So I'll have all those links in the show notes page. So Thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on the show, giving us so much information and developing the Proposal Manager's Planner. So everybody go out and buy it and buy it for your team. (laughs) Yes, buy for yourselves, buy for your teams. 
Yeah, please. And Lindsay, thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, what a great episode. Thank you again to Nicole for coming on the show to talk a little bit about her experience and her transitioning to transitioning to managing people and specifically a group of bid or proposal managers, because I think it's a little bit different than if you're managing a team of other types of folks. So I love what she had to say. I took a whole page of notes. I hope you guys did too. I'm going to link up all of the ways to contact her, her website, where you can get your proposal manager's planner. I'm going to definitely buy at least a digital copy, even though I don't even do proposals anymore, just so I can support her and see what it's all about. And then that way I can recommend it to you guys as well. So you can head over to the show notes page, marketerstakeflight.com forward slash 81 for episode 81. And then if you liked this episode or you know somebody that is new to managing people, feel free to share this episode with them because I think they're going to really find it valuable. Okay, that's it for me this week. Until next time, bye for now.